What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, episode 26, and today we're going to be reviewing our games against Manchester City and our Champions League clash against Valencia, as well as looking ahead to the double Premier League header for our games against West Ham United and Aston Villa. I'm your host Mikey, and joining me as always is my co-host Chris, so let's get this episode on the road. Welcome back everyone to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm your host Mikey, and joining me as always is my co-host Chris. Hello. So... Today is Thanksgiving, so we're going to give thanks to all our listeners that obviously we've got a big following in the USA, so we're grateful for you to have stuck with us for 26 episodes now. And if this wow. is your first episode, then again, thank you for giving us a listen and we hope you stay with us for the future. Yeah, we, we do appreciate your uh, your listenership. We really do. So we've got our first game review. It's going to be the game where we didn't get the three points we wanted. We didn't even get a point. Manchester City defeated us 2-1. The goals all came in the first half. So we opened the scoring, of course, with N'Golo Kante, who was by far our man of the match. Now, I know I made my comments a few weeks ago about do we sell him, do we need him? But how impressed were you by Kante's performance and his goal as well? Yeah, I mean, he's he's superb, Kante. I've said it numerous times. No, no doubt I'll say it numerous times again. But he's just a machine. He just, he's non-stop. And when he's not in the team it's such a big miss for us when he's not in the team. Like, he just gives everything. He's everywhere. I mean, and the goal he took as well is not an easy finish. The run he made was Lampard-esque and it was just a fabulous finish. And he, like you said, he's probably our best player on the day. And he's just a world-class talent. And like I said, without him, we are a completely different team, I think. Yeah, I I mean, he was quite... He shut me up for a bit, you know. I I didn't exactly want him to... uh be sold but it didn't yeah. make me question how Jorginho and Kovacic have been playing yeah and obviously with different formations we're running uh, you know it was a it was a my it was an idea that floated but but he was he was brilliant I mean it was an overall yeah. there was a lot of negative points on that day which we'll go into but Kante he, he was by far a man of the match I don't think anybody else I don't know if anyone stood out in your mind that got close I mean, to I mean a lot of Chelsea fans probably disagreeing with this and won't be happy that I'm saying this guy's name but I think Aspidaqueta was actually surprisingly really good um, well not surprisingly really good but because I, I love him to be honest but he, I thought he was very solid um, good choice to play um, and I thought he, he was superb and kept Raheem Sterling quiet to be honest um, yeah. just kind of got overlooked recently but um, I, th- I thought he was really good and I thought Jorginho and Kovacic for the first 30 minutes ran the show um, obviously when Man City got a goal back things changed but I thought for 30 minutes everyone played really well it's just after those 30 minutes yeah it was a quick you know deflected shot from De Bruyne and when that went in you know maybe our heads sunk a little bit but we were very impressive quite early on I mean it was more like how how many goals will we score and not yeah yeah we weren't too but you know in regards to Kante yeah he, he was brilliant and that run he did it was almost like you could see the you know, Lampard's kept Kante in the same sort of role that Sarri did last season. And I know he got a lot of stick for playing Kante in that role. But, you know, he's, he's carried on his form into this season and he's scoring goals and, you yeah. know, weren't really a strength of his game. But it's now becoming a strength of his game and fair play. It's, it adds to our team. It yeah, really, I mean, really does. When you've got midfielders that are scoring, it really helps not only Abraham out, but the rest of the team out. Like the pressure is off the strikers as much sort of last season we weren't getting goals from midfield at all 
really. No. Um, we weren't getting goals from up front, to be honest, for the most part. We were just relying on Hazard. But this season, like I said on previous episodes, the goals have seemingly come from everywhere. You've obviously got Mount scoring, Abraham scoring, Pulisic scoring, Kante scored a few. Obviously, Kovacic got a goal yesterday. So, yeah. I mean, the goals are coming from everywhere now, which was really, really good. And last season, we just didn't have that. No, that's it's you're spot on. You're spot on. I mean, unfortunately, we've had good points there. That that was kind of my standout good point. But you know, here come the negative points. It, it was a bad day for Jorginho. Bad day for Emerson. He, he looked quite shaky. You know, I, I wasn't too pleased of how Mares was able to beat Emerson and Kovacic didn't want to trip him up because obviously he didn't give away a penalty. So that makes logical sense. But obviously, Mares was able to beat Emerson and he slotted up what ended up to be the winning goal. It does bring up the question when the ban is lifted. Do we need a left back as priority? And is Ben Chilwell that player? Um, first of all, obviously, um, for, for Emerson to let Riyad Mahrez cut in on his left foot, I mean, it's almost the Iron Robin model of cutting on that left foot and hit it. I mean, surely Emerson must know that Mahrez was going to do that. He must have known. And it, and it was poor for him. And he, was, he had a poor game, to be fair. Um, He's been good this season, Emerson. I think if you got Ben Shilwell in, I think that'd be a really good signing because I do really like Ben Shilwell. I think he's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, yeah. and it, it will it will only bring the best out in Emerson as well. So I think I think to be honest, I think we should sign him. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. We've got to look at quality over quantity. You yeah, know, we have yeah. in previous years spilt spilt spent a lot of money on players that we didn't require. I mean, we all remember the summer where we got Michael Hector. Um, Papa Junabodji, you know, and a very injured Falcao. You know, we I mean, kind of we spent bought... thirty-five million on Danny Drinkwater, didn't we? Yeah, we didn't really need him, but exactly. we still bought it. It was a strange one. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'd rather when we do are able to sign players again, I'd rather we spent big on say two players or two to three players that improve yeah. the team instead of squad players. You know. Yeah. And Ben Chilwell, obviously today I've tweeted out, because obviously it's it's been revealed, so to speak, that apparently Manchester United are not interested in Ben Chilwell anymore because they've got Brandon Williams, their new left-back from their academy. Mm. So it leaves us in the strong position to sign, obviously, the left-back. It's not going to be easy and it's not going to be cheap. No. Ben Chilwell, he's a homegrown player. He's in a decent Leicester side. You know, they're fighting for the top four. However, you know, the pull of London... You know, Chelsea are a bigger side than Leicester. I would be very surprised if he wouldn't be at least a little bit intrigued by joining joining us. And I feel that there's no better candidate at the moment than Ben Chilwell. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, you're probably looking at 60 million for Ben Chilwell, I'd say. He's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, Easily. But, I mean, I think he's a, perf- he's a, a player that Lampard would absolutely love. I think he's English as well, which helps. And I think he's got age on his side. Again, another thing that Lampard will be thinking of. And how Lampard plays, he likes attacking fullbacks. Good delivery on him. Really, really good delivery on him. Um, and consistent as well. And he can defend, which, you know, is almost lost on fullbacks these days. Um, so I think there aren't many better fullback options than Ben Chilwell at the moment, to be honest. Well, that, yeah, that's where you, th- when you think of our weak, our weak point in our team, I know a lot of people want the likes of Jaden Sancho at the club, but I'd rather us shore up that defence. You know, we've seen, yeah. obviously, yeah. we're so open at the moment. Maybe it's because we're a young side still developing. Of course we are. However, to have 
Ben Chilwell to have a top, top left back. You know, you've seen the likes of obviously Andrew Robertson at Liverpool. You get that attacking threat as well and that defensive side, mm. which Chilwell does show. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it would just add such an, it would just be a big piece in our team going forward. And like you said, his age and everything else, it would only just do us wonders. And the homegrown part is also crucial. I know we've got our academy yeah. players coming in, but, you know, a homegrown player, it's always a positive because of meeting that quota. You know, yeah, I think yeah, that's 100%. why we did sign. That's probably why we signed Danny Drinkwater because we wanted that homegrown slot. And I know you have to fulfil it, but if you can fulfil it with a player that you know will go straight into your eleven, it's a lot easier. Because obviously, the likes of in recent years, we've obviously had John Terry, Gary Cahill, Frank Lampard himself. Mm. Yeah, you know, at the moment, Aspilicueta is playing quite well at left back when he's asked to play in that position. Reese yeah. James has been incredible at right back. Absolutely incredible when he's played. And we'll touch on that when he, we go to Valencia's game. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, another negative. Kepa is going to be my third major talking point from the Manchester City game. In the end, Raheem Sterling's goal was ruled out for offside. However, it, it went through Kepa's hands, you know, <laughs> alongside how he had the ball in the box and he kicked it straight. He wasn't under any pressure. No pressure whatsoever. And he kicked it straight at Aguero, who fortunately for us, he hit the bar. Do we have a goalkeeping problem? And how should we go about solving this issue? No, here's the thing with Kepa. I mean, I've played Sunday League. Obviously, it's not the same level as Premier League, but I've played Sunday League level now for a good six or so years. And I've played in defence. And I'd say the thing that you want the most as a defender is a midfielder, holding midfielder that will screen the defence and help the defence out. And you want a secure keeper who is, is solid, you know, doesn't feel you've dealt. And at the moment, whenever Kepa gets the ball, I just I panic. I panic. So God knows how the defenders must feel. God knows how the right back, left back, centre back. God knows how they must feel because he looks as if he's just got no confidence with the ball at his feet. And not only that, his wrists just somehow don't seem strong enough. But at the yeah. same time... I mean, obviously, we've gone to the Valencia game in a bit, but he can pull off these world-class saves and you think, OK, we have got a world-class keeper, but at the same time, is there just something wrong with his mentality or concentration at the minute that's just just puts a bit of doubt in his mind and that's why he's making so many mistakes? I'm not too sure. Obviously, there's talk about uh, Lampard getting Shea given in to uh, help him out, but I mean, I don't know if that will necessarily help him out much or, or what, but there is a slight problem at the moment with Kepa. Yeah, I mean, for me, bringing in Shea Given is a good first step. You know, I can yeah, understand yeah. completely why Frank Lampard wants to do this. You know, yeah. obviously, Kepa, he's a young goalkeeper and it is his second season at the club. And who, for no fault of his own, he costs a substantial fee. You know, that's how Bilbao work. You know, they put high-release clauses on because of their Bascony yeah. policy. You know, to scrap, let's just say, to scrap, simply scrap the project with this, obviously, having Kepa, this early, it would be a bit unfair. Yeah. You know, yeah. However, we know a top-class goalkeeper, he can win you an extra 10 points a season almost, you know. Petr Cech probably did that for us yeah. for many a season. And, yeah, you know, exactly. it's just watching that clip I saw when he, he's got the ball, he's under no pressure. He's looking up the field, he boots it, he just goes straight to Aguero and you think that could have been 3-1 and game's gone. And obviously the Raheem yeah. thing didn't yeah. quite 
it was offside. It was it. <laughs> VAR saved us there. I, I mean, you start because it, it really wasn't offside. I mean, it, it was, was offside. a weird but, decision. Yeah. It was a very typical VAR decision. Yeah. However, 100%. you know, if come the end of the season, there are still question marks over Kepa. You know, we will go into it again with the Valencia game. You have to consider, do we need to make that change? Because you can't just keep going on. And obviously I've brought up the likes of names like Onana from Ajax, Maignan from Lille and Donnarumma. Them are the most obvious gettable options. I know we've paid a lot of money for Kepper and would we even reclaim half of that? It's a difficult, difficult shout. But I do cast my mind back to how David De Gea and his first couple of seasons at United he weren't yeah. great yeah. and now yeah okay David De Gea at the moment sort of he sort of declined a little bit but for four five six seasons De Gea was the best goalkeeper in the league and By there's the a reason yeah really. easily yeah. and there's a reason that Madrid are after him and, you know yeah. Kepa could easily he's Kepa is Spain's number one as well yeah so yeah. But yeah, it does fill you with a little bit of nervousness when he gets that ball, which is, it's a, it's a real shame because, you know, Kep has shown that he can have moments where he'll pull out world-class saves, as yeah, all goalkeepers yeah. do. You know, yeah. my my final thought on the game is, you know, we're a good team. We're just not a great team yet. You know, we're young, we're getting the experience. And, you know, a 2-1 loss at the Etihad, it's nothing to be ashamed of. No, no, totally You know, I'm, I'm proud of the lads and how they performed you know certainly not let's remember last season was 6-0 yeah and the season before that the season before that we were poor at the Etihad as well so yeah it's it it, there's there's signs to be positive you know yeah there really is so going on to Valencia ended to all yeah you 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 threw out there Danny Pareo last week. He he had a penalty, was saved. We will go on to that. Yeah. But first off, we'll go on to our goal scorer, the first one, Mateo Kovacic. He was he was phenomenal. He really you know was. It's not the first time we've said that this season either. So exactly. It's, it's great yeah. to say it as well, you know. And he finally scored his first goal for the club. It was a good strike. It really was a good strike. Yeah, it was. I mean, you could say near post, so the keeper maybe could have done better, but I mean, I'm so happy for him. He's really deserved it. The performances of him this season have been so much better than last season. I mean, last season, he was good. I always thought he was good. But this season, he just seems to be a different player completely. He's he's a complete midfielder, like I said numerous times before. I mean, he's he can tackle, he's quick, pass. He, you know, he's strong. And he's finally got a goal. And he's such a crucial player to our team now. And I'm really happy for him. Yeah, you know, it's a good first touch to control the ball. And he doesn't take barely two seconds to then just take the shot. And it, you know, going to the corner of the net. I, mm. I was just, it was just so great. And especially as well, the reaction from going 1-0 down so early on. Yeah. Not so early on, sorry. So quick before that first goal to then just go straight up the other end and equalise. You know, that's, yeah, of course, it yeah. says a lot about the character of the side. You know, Pulisic as well, he, he was bright and dangerous. And he's really, really come into himself really in the last three to four games and it, again great to see a player that a lot of people call in oh is that a waste of 50 60 million have we done it again you know he was everywhere getting flashes it was it was now i'm being careful with how i say this there was flashes of almost how hazard-esque he could be i tell you he really reminds me of uh, and people may disagree 
But yes, I can see the hazard comparison. Um, obviously, he's not to that level yet. But the way he gets into the box and the way he like, uh, creates these chances and gets on the end of these chances, I think is very Raheem Sterling-like. Mm, that's, a fair, yeah, that's a fair shout. Um, and again, I'm not saying he, he's on the same level as Raheem Sterling, but I think to be compared to those two is a sign of how confident he is at the minute and how well he's playing at the minute. I think the problem before was that I think he may have just been burned out. I think he was just very, very tired. He had a, like, he pretty much didn't have a preseason. He played throughout that preseason with America. He just didn't have a break. And I just think Lampard just decided to drop him for a few games. It's worked. He's come back into the team. And now he's absolutely flying. And again, I'm yeah. really happy for him. Yeah, another player that had a standout performance, Rich James at right back, just pretty good. I mean, he's he's we've we were excited to see him play and he's he's yeah. delivering them performances and especially you know another player came from the championship on loan and he stepped up to that next level just like to the likes of Tamori have and Mount again great to see that depth in the academy as well yeah it's brilliant to see I mean I spoke to a lot of people um we saw him in the championship last season and he's they've all said that he's he, he can be a world-class player in the future um, someone said he could be better than Wamba Saka and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Obviously, he's not there yet again, but the signs are there. And wow, can he put in a ball? He is really, really good with those crosses. He is lethal. And if he continues and gets a good run of form on and like keeps playing the way he is, he's going to be some player. Yeah, 100%. And Trent himself has shown that, you know, you, he's obviously 21, but you don't need to be you know, 23, 24, 25 in your career to be that top class level. I mean, you could argue that Liverpool have the best left back and right back in Europe at the moment on form. You yeah, really oh, could, yeah without, without a doubt. You know, you could argue that. And these they've been both incredible. And we could potentially, this is what I think going forward, we could potentially have a rival to their left back, right back duo in obviously the potential of the signing of Ben Chilwell and then Reese James on the right, you know, yeah, yeah. two young English defenders and they could be future and England duo as well. You know, there's so much potential in Reese James. And again, very, very physical guy, very quick, very, he's just such an, he's shown such maturity and experience for a very inexperienced player really which well, is... he, he doesn't look phased by the occasion does he I mean he came on against Man City played well when he came on Valencia yeah. big game he started didn't look phased he was one of our best players and for a 19 year old um, that is pretty incredible really yeah 100% so it was a great save from the penalty from Kepa personally I, I didn't see it as a penalty I don't know no, no, how they awarded never a penalty such a sh- I, I mean he looks like is it Gaia I think Gaia looks like he tackles Jorginho. It's almost the, as if he sort of went to kick the ball, sort of caught Georgine, the back of Jorginho's leg. Yeah. As he's caught him, like both their legs have got caught and they've both fallen to the floor. And uh, ridiculous. Weird one. Very yeah. weird one. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a great save. He yeah. was poor. Kepper was poor in that game. You know, alongside Christensen, Willian, and unfortunately Jorginho again, he didn't have a great game this past week. It's a difficult question to ask it, but we're going to ask it. Are we going to suffer yet another December slump in form? No. I, I think Lampard will change something. I'm not 
the problem with Sarri was that he's very stubborn. Same with Conte to some extent. They're both very, very stubborn, want to play a certain way, certain formation. I think Lampard, when he sees something not quite right, he'll mix it up a bit, fresh faces, fresh legs, maybe a new formation, maybe tinker that a bit. And I think I think we'll be all right. I don't think we'll be too bad. I think, you know, we've got a good run of games coming up. And I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I think, of course, it concerns me because we've had consistency with these slumps and forms around the festive time. However, we've got two games coming up, which we'll touch on. Both teams, we should be beaten. And if we can get that, that you know, that winning spirit back into the side, and hopefully against West Ham because of how poor they've been, I think it might just relight, obviously, the fire and we'll those players will kick on and they'll, they'll I mean, do I mean, that. In all fairness, in all fairness, we have only lost once in, well, once in the Premier League in what, was it six, seven games? And we haven't lost in the Champions League since the first game. Obviously, we lost to Man United in the Carabao Cup, but yeah. we've been on good form. I mean, let's take nothing away from Lampard and the team. They've, they've played really well recently. And yeah, we haven't won in two games, but our form before that was, was really good and I'm sure that'll carry on. Yeah, hopefully so. So, I mean, Valencia could have easily won this 4-2 or 5-2. I mean, if they'd have put away their well, chances, they should have, they should have, yeah. you know, multiple times, you know, they had open goals. They were just awful, like air kicks. It was truly, you watch them and you think anyone could score that. Anyone. Well, Ma- Maxi Gomez, I'm pretty sure I two in the first half. That was really Yeah, I, you know, they were just so poorly missed. I mean, another yeah. another thing that stood out for me was the referee. It was Truly awful. I mean, what did what did you make of that performance from the officials? I mean, it, poor, very, very poor. But I mean, I'm not saying English referees by any means are great. But when I watch, <laughs> they're not when great. Watch, they're not great. When I watch the Champions League, I just feel like like our referees just seem so much more competent <laughs> than than sort of like European referees. It's just they seem very, very card happy. Um, mm. in Europe uh, a lot more stricter they, they're not happy to let the game sort of flow they're, they're always blowing up for something and it's just come on just use use common sense keep the game yeah. going I mean it's just you know yeah poor poor performance from the referee yeah it's it stems back to that, that like I said that penalty that was and then you know we nearly had a goal ourselves chalked off by VAR I know, obviously, it ruled in our favour, but, you know, I'll go back to that penalty. That It's just another decision where you think, come on. It's just we... not a penalty. It's not a penalty. Simple as that. I told, yeah. I, it was just... And we would have been walking away with the three points and qualification, but, yeah, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I mean... It's football. Yeah, a draw, it's not the worst thing. It's still in our own hands against Lille. And, you know, we play Lille at Stamford Bridge. You know, and it's simple as this. If we win... And Ajax beat Valencia were second, because obviously points with Ajax. If we win and Valencia beat Ajax, we're second behind Valencia because of the head-to-head record. Obviously, Valencia beat us and drew. And if we win against Lille and they draw, we top the group. So it's in our own hands, which, you you know, not the worst thing. No, I think I think we'll beat Lille. And I, I don't see Valencia again. anything from Ajax, personally. I mean, you know... Of course, I'll go and win there now that I've said that. But I think we'll be all right. I think we'll get through. Yeah, after, after we should we should be able to do it. And you know, yeah, I, I don't know how far we'll go into the competition because if we come up against a side like a big, and I mean a big team like the likes of PSG or Real Madrid, whoever's 
more likely. I'm not too sure at the moment. I think, no, PSG have qualified. So yeah. we would, if we finish second, we would obviously play potentially PSG, Bayern. Uh, let me have a look. We would Barcelona. play PSG. Uh, at the moment, it'd be PSG, Bayern, Juventus, potentially Napoli, if obviously they top their group, Barcelona, uh, one of Zenit, Leon, or Leipzig. Yeah, so it would it would be tough. And whether we get through, who knows? It'd be nice to top the group, but it's not in our hands with that. It'll be, but again, this is our sort of transitional period, and we're quite ahead from where we thought we would be. So let's yeah, see. And hey, yeah. Barcelona are gettable. You know, let's I think, not. I think on our day we can beat any team in Europe. Unfortunately, on our day, I think we can get ripped apart by any team. Exactly in Europe as that. Well. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's a fine line, but yes. Uh, so. Next up in the Premier League, game week 14. It's the first of two back-to-back home games. And we take on a very underperforming West Ham side. Now, obviously, in recent years, under David Moyes, for example, West Ham have sprung quite a surprise against us, even though they've been in poor runner form. Is this going to be a straightforward home win? And who should we be keeping an eye on this West Ham side? I'd like to think it'll be a straightforward home win. I think it's a perfect time to play West Ham because I think... There's a lot of pressure on Pellegrini and I don't think any of their big stars are playing well at the moment. You know, your Philippe Andersons, your Hallers, you know, your uh, Yarmolenkos, these sorts of players, they're just not performing at the moment. Uh, I think their keeper is one to watch out for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's def- I've got him down. <laughs> not for a good reason. Um, he's a bit eccentric, isn't he, really? He's a, bit, he's a little bit. He's a bit out there, so to speak. Um, yeah. But I think, I think we can beat them pretty comfortably to be honest yeah I mean West Ham are the second worst team in form behind uh, no actually I think they are the worst team in form because only Palace I think Palace have got in the last five games Palace have lost four drew one and West Ham have got the same right okay. you know yeah. so and obviously like you said Pellegrini's under a lot of pressure and I've watched okay West Ham did get two goals against Spurs but yeah Spurs haven't still been in great themselves. No. You know, I'm not too worried about this West Ham side. You know, you've got, if it had Fabianski in goal, it would be always a tough ask. But with Roberto in goal, honestly, I've not seen such a calamity-prone goalkeeper in recent years. You know, he looks like <laughs> no. he really could drop the clangor at any moment. You know, yeah, if I we mean... can get, if we can get the balls into the box, obviously, hopefully Abraham's fit. Touch and go on that. We don't know 100%. But if we've got Giroud up, you know, I could see three, four goals this weekend. I really, really could. You know, yeah, obviously, yeah. Antonio is a good threat for them. Strong player. Yeah. He's shown, obviously, against Spurs, good in the air. You know, he's not one to underestimate, you know. But... We've got some really good players, West Ham. They should be a lot better than they are at the moment. But I feel there's just... This may be the last game for Pellegrini, I think. I think if we beat them, I think that'll be it for him. Yeah, I can see what... Yeah, it, it, We've kind of got lucky in a way that they haven't done the change. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the, that new manager bounce, so to speak. Yeah. You know, for me, I'll be conservative because I'm not sure if Tammy Abraham was playing, it'd be a higher scoreline. But because I'm not 100% at this moment, time recorded, I'll say 2 0. I think I'll go 3 1. That's fair. So, double header, second. Second game of the week, Aston Villa at home. Yes. Who, you know, Aston Villa, they could be buoyant before coming into Stamford Bridge. I had wrote down because obviously they had to, they've got to travel to Old Trafford on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, 
I've just seen the full-time result, Astana 1-2-1. One, one. <laughs> well, I'd, so, I saw that that, uh, that Manu had gone 1-0 up and Jesse Lingard was captain. Yeah. So there you go. They wow. lost. So wow. will Ollie be in charge when this pod goes out? Who knows? Probably will be. But, you know, Villa nearly inflicted Liverpool's first home defeat. Not first. Liverpool's first defeat of the season a few weeks back. Again, it comes down to how could and how should Chelsea set up. How do you feel we should set up to avoid a potential shock defeat to a quite decent Villa side? Yeah, well, you need to be careful of Jack Grealish. He's going to pop up in all sorts of positions and he's going to drop deep. He's going to drop onto the wing. You've got to be careful because he's a superb player and he's their best player. One thing I've noticed about Chelsea recently is they've been very naive going forward. I think our midfield has been caught a lot of times, especially against Man City, too far up the pitch. And I feel... Villa and West Ham to some extent will counter-attack us very quickly. Um, so I think we need to be careful. We need to be a bit more reserved, I think, um, in midfield. Maybe play Mount so he can press and the other two midfielders can drop a bit more. Um, but I think Villa will be a tough game. But I think if we keep Grealish quiet, we'll come out with the win pretty, pretty comfortably as well. Yeah, I've got, got, I've got McGinn and Grealish down here. You know, they create so many chances for yeah. this side. Yeah. And I will single out McGinn a second because... And I'm going to make a bold claim. I I really believe come the summer, a top six side will make a move for him. Maybe a Leicester. Yeah. Maybe maybe even Arsenal, depending. You know, you could argue they're not top six at the moment, but depending, you know, or perhaps even a Celtic or a Rangers. But I think the price kind of rules them out because I could see him being like 40, 50 million plus. He he will demand a huge fee. But there was a link with Man United in the summer. Um, and people again. people did laugh at that and said that yeah. 50 million come on and look these players that have come up from the championship obviously you know are, are the likes of our own Mason Mount Reese James Tammy Abraham and obviously with talking here John McGinn you know they've shown that they can step up and become Premier League players and top quality players at that I mean don't get me wrong I mean I'm not I'm not a massive Villa fan of I mean that's pretty obvious but for me, Jack, Jack Greenish is uh, is a superb player to watch as well. And I think, like John McGinn, I think you're right. I think he could well easily be on the way in the summer to a big big club. I think Jack Greenish could walk into most top six teams, uh, teams pretty comfortably, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, w- it would be interesting to see in the summer if they can hold on to the pair of them because they're both top players. And Yeah, yeah. We have to see. You know, our defence, centre-back pairing of Tamori and Zuma, you know, I feel they have easily enough in their game to stop Wesley. Yeah, he's and been poor recently. He's really hardly poor. been the focal point Villa expected. So, Well, he can't hold up the ball. So I think, you know, just got to push him as up as high as possible and make sure he doesn't get many touches on the ball. And I'm pretty sure tomorrow in Zuma will be able to cope with him pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, I've gone for a 1-0 in this game just because, again, it's difficult. There's talk that Tammy should be fit for Villa. But we don't know 100% until, obviously, the press conferences with Lampard. Yeah. Obviously, I, I'm being conservative. So, yeah. I'm going to go 2-0. I'm going to go 2-0. Yeah, uh, hopefully it'll be two, two important wins and it'll yeah. keep yeah. the momentum. It'll get that momentum back. Because, obviously, last two games, a draw and a defeat. We want to get that momentum back. We want to we want to climb up that table as far as we can. Obviously, we've gone behind Man City now. But, you know, top four... So far in the season, it's 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 going quite well. You can, yeah, it is. I mean, it really is, yeah. Everything's in our own hands. You know, it's all positive. Let's keep that going. You know, that's the important thing. Yeah. And I feel 100%. with that, I feel with that, that concludes another episode of At The Bridge Pod. So 
This is myself, Mikey, and Chris signing off. We will return next week where we will talk all things Chelsea. So until then, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at at the bridge pod. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, 